Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And I say that every single time, and you're saying, what, what's so special? You're just going to have to tune in. That's all I can tell you. Uh, we uh, stream live at those times, by the way, at richarddugan.com. We have podcasts. In other words, the the full version. Uh, usually the radio version is it's a little shorter. Uh, it's not that I go through and edit the thing down to a nub, but uh, uh, we shorten it up a little bit for the radio broadcast because, hey, you're constrained by programs before you and programs after you. So you want to go to the SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations, podcast sites to hear the full interview. You can also see and watch the full interview on YouTube. That's right. We have a YouTube channel. Richard Dugan, tell me your story. We hope that you'll go there and uh, and watch these interviews and also go to our guest's website, which we will be linked to. We'll give you that in just a moment. Uh, we also ask that if you can support the work that we are doing financially, we would greatly appreciate that. We have a PayPal account. It is therefore your security as well as ours. And finally, we ask you to spend time during this, the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, and go within, listening to that still small voice. Just sit quietly, peacefully. You could, if you're driving, pull over to the side of the road if you can, for 60 seconds. One of my guests said that. Just take 60 seconds, one minute, just to ah, breathe a little, close your eyes, calm yourself, especially if you're on the road and you're dealing with others. We'll just put it that way. So we hope that you will do that. Our program today, I think you're going to enjoy. I know I am because I'm looking for more money. I'm looking for more wealth. I'm looking for more prosperity and abundance, not just for me. I'm not looking to, to hoard it. I'm not looking to gather up billions. I'm still waiting for the first trillionaire. I don't know that they, we have one yet, but we're probably getting close. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the ability, and maybe many of you are too, in the context of thriving, to be able to not only take care of the basic needs of food and shelter and clothing and transportation, but also do a few extra things, nothing f fantastic, nothing crazy. I mean, the only trip I really want to take is to Ireland. One-way ticket, please. But also to help other people because I have been helped. There have been thousands of people who have helped me to get where I am today to talk with my guest, who is the author of Rags to Riches, how Beauty Icons Made It Big. And we're going to talk with um, uh, Karen Padati. I believe I have that pronounced correctly. Thank you so much for being with us here today on the program. Thank you so much for having me. I was so excited. So it's great to be here. Well, I, I tell you, um, and it is a big issue for a lot of folks. We, uh, we, of course, deal in the more spiritual and metaphysical elements thereof on this program but hey you know we go into some other areas too like this because this is a major major not just conversation piece but it's also a major challenge for a lot of people and uh, there are those of us who hey you know we've been doing great we've been making it we've been 
taking care of uh, what needs to be taken care of and so forth. And then there are those of us who have also struggled. Um, maybe we've had to, maybe we've wound up on the streets. We're back in a home. Maybe we've had to file bankruptcy. Maybe we've had to do a lot of things that we wouldn't ordinarily do. And it's like, is, is this really, is this all there is? I mean, come on. It, I, you know what? I don't know that I want to stay here if this is, if this is the way my life is going to go. But you have a story, uh, again, the title of the book, Rags to Riches. And uh, I mean, that is, I, I, it's, a, it's a story that we've heard uh, time and time again. And it's a good story. Don't get me wrong. It is a good story. Tell us about how, how your story begins in the context of this. Uh, and it's a short little narrative, too, by the way, folks. Uh, Rags to Riches. Well, one of the reasons that um, I wanted to do this is because in my industry, the beauty industry, we are the second industry to close the most amount of businesses in the first three years of being open, right behind restaurants. So mm -hmm. it's restaurants, salons, spas, and only, only like 60% hit the five-year mark. Mm -hmm. Most of them are in debt and they don't know how to run the business aspect. Only 1.7% ever hit the $1 million mark. Mm. So in our industry, what happens is you have these amazing, talented people, and it could be hair, nails, eyebrows, school, beauty schools, all different aspects of it. And what happens is you go and you're doing your thing and you're working for someone. You get out of school, you start working for someone, you see all this money coming in. And you may be one of those great rock stars where you're just doing phenomenal. But then it stops, starts thinking, well, if I'm making all this money, why am I giving, you know, half of it away? So they go out into their own and they go into business for themselves. And again, they're great at whatever their niche is and they're doing phenomenal. But what they don't realize is now they actually are the person running the business and they have they don't have any skills, procedures, tools. So, so often many of them are working so hot, so hard. I mean, like long, hard hours, and they are really keeping that salon, spa, whatever it is open. Mm -hmm. I got to see this over and over and over again when I was doing consulting with my clients. And it was at that point, I thought our industry works so hard and they're phenomenal at whatever it is, but they just aren't making the money to survive. I mean, most of them are in debt. And so I, it was just it saddened me that so many people love the industry, but we're spinning their wheels. So I took everything I've done for my business and all my consulting clients, and I did two things. I first wrote a book, and then I took the rags to riches, how beauty icons made it big. And I wanted it to be like life lessons, a lot of teaching. So if I wrote a book and I just said stuff, I figured no one's going to listen. But these are big guru people and they tell their struggles, their ups and their downs, what works, what didn't work. And then there's like a business assessment for each chapter because each chapter is something different business related. And then it goes into some education of some steps that you can do to start turning your business around or start making more of a profit. And then I thought, okay, that's a great, but I, I need to give more. So I, I decided I was going to do a course 
And everything that I do in my business to get where I am, you know, all my struggles, ups and downs, I took the things that didn't work, obviously didn't include them. I put them in the book. Anything that I've given to my consulting clients around the United States that I know worked for sure is in the book. And my goal, if I could help our beauty industry become much more profitable, where people get to choose what they want to do and how to do it in their lives, they're working a little bit less making more money and just having the financial abundance to live an all around better life. That would be my goal. And that is my goal. You have a website and uh, I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce this correctly because based upon what I learned in English class, if you have um, a vowel in particular, followed by a consonant and then followed by, let's say an E it's usually the long form, but I could be wrong. L U X E spa. Is it Lux or no, you, you know, I'm not even going to try. Tell me, am I got that correct? Yep, it's Lux Spa Salon and Laser Center, and I'm in upstate New York. So it's basically a silent E. And again, I contest the whole concept of silent letters. What's the point? But anyway, that's another story <laughs> for another show. <laughs> the website, again, it's Lux Spa, L-U-X-E-S-P-Y-S-P-A.com. Yes. And you Correct. can find out more uh, about Karen and the work that she is doing, not only uh, in the beauty industry, but also in terms of uh, the consulting work that you do. You actually work for a company as a consultant called the company is Empowering You. Uh, yes. And you're a coach and you love to see uh, the folks walking out smiling. And uh, we certainly hope that folks will uh, uh, do th their due diligence and check you out as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And this whole aspect of rags to riches is a really interesting uh, conversation that we are having here because, because uh, at some level, uh, we all kind of feel like, uh, well, we're in the rags pit place. Now, I will tell you that that there are two words, uh, two words that uh, I'm trying to get rid of in my vocabulary. OK, however, the question I'm about to ask you contains one of them. <laughs> Success and failure out, out, out. And here's the reason why. Because they're nothing more than experiences. They're life lessons They're there and so forth. But negating that, <laughs> how important is failure in this process? It's huge. It will make or break you. Your failures are generally your largest learning times in life where you're like, crap, that didn't work. And you get all in your head and you're like, okay, you know, you can feel bad about it, but at some point you got to regroup and say, what am I going to do differently to get different results to get to where I need to be? And honestly, if some of my biggest failures were when I had the biggest gains and strengths and I built into like a better leader, a better um, business person. So failures to me are necessary. You learn a ton about you and where you're going and your direction when that happens. All right. Now, the reverse part of that question is, how important are successes by comparison to failures? I truly believe that you grow more with more failures than you do with successes. 
successes are always great and you always want to stop and celebrate them um, before you say, okay, I've accomplished the one, this goal and I, I'm here to celebrate, but I want to move on. When you have a, a, a company that has a real breakdown, you have to really step back and look at the overall picture with your struggles. For instance, uh, about 15 years ago, I had a walkout. I had 10 people within three days leave my company. And that was, a, at the time, I think a, like a fourth of um, the number of people. And I was, oh, my God, oh, my God, I, I you know, panic. What am I going to do? How am I going to pay my bills? You know, you just like, and I like these people. I mm -hmm. adored these people. Uh, I was crushed. And I really learned that. You know, I could blame all them and what's that going to get you? But I really needed to sit back and think, mm -hmm. okay, what did I do? How did I cause this? How can I ensure that this never happens again? And what steps am I going to take? And it really came down to my type of leadership. I was a type A personality and we, my staff particularly was total, total polar opposites for me. And I actually... I did a lot of research. I went and took a leadership class. Um, so I was ready and determined to come back and make sure that never happened again. And in doing that, the first exercise I came back with, I did it with my whole um, staff. And you did a questionnaire and you figured out what your communication styles were. And mine were polar opposite. I was here and they were down here in this quadrant. And so we really had to work for them to understand how I communicate. And I had to really learn how they wanted to be communicated with. And mm -hmm. so we came up with some, you know, some guidelines. And from that day forward, it was like I had peeled back an onion and I was like, we're all on the same page. And it was probably one of the best things that I ever had to go through to get there. I'm, I think, a type A person, too, but I... Uh... I didn't refer to my style back in the uh, mid eighties, 1980s. <laughs> yes. 63 this month um, where I was a manager of staff. And I found out very early on that the style I was using wasn't working. And I referred to it as <clears throat> my Hitlerian phase. Okay. Didn't work. <laughs> At I know all. that phase. Yes. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> thought you might. And uh and basically I uh I basically uh said, okay, that's not gonna work. I've got to find another tack. I mean, this person came to me and said, I'm not gonna do it because you told me to. So I had to come up with a different angle. I said, Well, okay. Um the toilet need the, the bathroom needs to be cleaned, which was one of all of our tasks. It was part of the job description. Uh, the, the bathroom needs to be clean because uh, we have other programmers and yourself and your fellow co your fellow coworkers who use that facility. And each one of us has to clean up after ourselves and make sure that it's, it's uh, uh, clean and so on and so forth. Okay. I'll do it then, but not because you told me to. And, and, Boy, did I, I back down from that whole thing very quickly. And now when I train people, I say, I'm going to show you how I do it. And then when I've shown you how I do it, you can do it. I don't care if you do it standing on your head, whatever the task is, as long as you get the result that we want. 
Um, again, as long as you get the result that we're looking for, I don't care how you get it done. Okay. And that is the way that I've been doing it. Plus, and I don't know about you, I try to teach every person that I train everything I know. Because if I hold on to it, guess what? I don't get to move up. Yep. I don't get to, to change positions, change jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think that a lot of people, they lose sight of that. They, the people are very territorial, even in the, even in the smallest menial job. I can't stand television shows where you've got that dynamic. I know there've been a number of programs, uh, where, where, you know, dynasty was one of them, you know, and everybody's protect or Dallas or, uh, there was another one. Um, uh, it was in the, in the music industry and it's the same kind of thing. It's like, well, wait a minute, wait, 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 back up. What is your goal? My goal when I got into this business back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, was to make a difference, to make it better because the bar was really, really low. Now, I haven't had as much success as I would like in the 44 years I've been doing this, but in my corner, yeah. I, I, and so I'm curious about that aspect of um, talking about this rags to riches, which is the title of your book. Um, is is that like the the number one goal is you need to know why you're doing what you're doing? Oh yeah. Um it's it's very funny when I get consulting clients that they clearly know they need help because their financials are usually in the red or you know going down even worse. Um and what happens is a lot of times people aren't really open. They want to tell you everything they know and then, but they don't really want your help. They just want to know that they are an expert too. So sometimes when I deal with consulting clients at first, it's a little difficult because they're vulnerable and they don't want to be vulnerable. So you have to kind of take a different approach basically and talk about what is it you really want to accomplish i know you've been in this business forever i know you've you know had great successes but what if you could change three things that you could change so it is difficult sometimes for people to kind of be vulnerable put their ego aside and kind of like open up so that's mm -hmm. one one thing i hope with like my book rags to riches it kind of shows these huge people in our industry, but they had the same struggles. But each person in this book was very methodical. You know, they they wrote out their goals. They wrote out their first, you know, one, two, five, and 10 year, year plans. And they made steps how to do it. Um, and and that and they they kind of show you what they went through to get where they were. It was none of it by accident. It was all by, you know strictly like a business plan and putting mm -hmm. something like that together. Well, let me ask you, what if my goal is I just want to make tons of money. I want to be a millionaire in one year. It brings me to the joke of um, Steve Martin back in the seventies where he says, uh, I, I've written a book about how to, how to uh, be a millionaire. Step one, get a million dollars. Step two, <laughs> 
<laughs> but and and in the restaurant industry, because you mentioned that as as number one, and of course uh, uh, salons and you know beauty care and so forth, number two. Um, the question has been asked uh, by some people who are in the business, uh, who uh, two people who want to get into the business. You need to answer this question. Okay, what's the question? Why do you want to open a restaurant? Well, because I want to serve and I want to I want to meet people and I want to do this and that and I want to cook and I want to share some of my re- and on and those kinds of things. More we'll call them more esoteric. And the person asking the question, and this has actually happened, said, "No, that's the wrong reason. You have to go into this because you want to make money." And I'm thinking Really? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that seems to me a counter because I have a feeling your goal was not to make tons of money. It was to help you, the industry you're in, the beauty industry, to thrive. And uh, so, so is that is that is that a is is that not the right goal to have? I mean. It's okay if you do, but you're not really going to be successful if that's your goal. Right. If that's really your goal, that's more like a hobby and treat it as a hobby. If if you are going to own a business, your goal really is you want your bottom line is you want to make money. And and why wouldn't you? You're putting in all your hours, your hard work, you're putting in all your money to be successful. And and if you just want to go cook for somewhere and do something, then go have someone pay you to do that. As opposed to having your own business where you've got to make sure you're you're making enough income to cover your expenses and then you have a profit that you can live on after. So, um, yeah, if you truly get into business because you love what you do first and foremost because a lot of people go into a business and they're like i really hate it well this isn't for you you're never going to be successful you're never going to be happy and the bottom line is you probably never make really good money Mm -hmm. so pick a business that you love and then you want to do it and then do that but also know that your goal is to make money it is said and and it's misquoted i'm going to speak the misquote and then i'll give you the correct quote. It is said that money is the root of all evil. That's the incorrect quote. The love of money is the root of all evil. And there was a comment, we were talking about this on another program about uh, free enterprise and capitalism and how, you know, I bring up often, so, well, you know, the person that came up with these two concepts obviously for, didn't realize that greed was going to be part of the equation. And my guest at that time said, well, actually, it's not greed. I said, really? Not greed? No, it's envy. Both of them are, of course, uh, one of the seven deadly sins, as they say. But it's like there was a beautiful story. I'd love for you to expound on this. There was a beautiful story that was told to me um, about a gentleman who he and his buddy would go out uh, for breakfast and they'd have a great conversation. And uh, let's call him Bob. Uh, he gets the bill and, uh, um, you know, and uh, he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out exactly the right amount to pay the bill. And the two of them go off and they get together again a few, uh, a week or two later for lunch. Same thing. Conversation. Fantastic. Just having a great time sharing and so forth. 
Bill comes, reaches in his pocket, boom, exactly the same amount. Go out to dinner. Same thing, only this time, Frank, his buddy, says, you know, I first of all, I want to thank you for, you know, paying for these meals we've been having. I, I appreciate it. I really do. I'm very grateful. Uh, not that I couldn't. It's just I, I thank you. But how is it that every time the bill comes, you know exactly how much the bill's going to be? And you reach in your pocket and boom, it's done. He says, well, let me tell you. Sub story. <laughs> I was cleaning out this uh, this storage unit once and I came across this lamp and it was all dusty and dirty. And I wondered what it really looked like underneath. And I started wiping it off and cleaning it on. Suddenly a genie comes popping out the top. And the genie says, you have one wish. And you can't wish for more wishes. And he says, all right. Um, hmm, can I get back to you? He says, sure, I'll be here. So a few days later, he comes back and he says, I know what I want to wish for. I want to wish that I always have the amount of money that I need to take care of the things that I need to take, need to take care of. And that's how he always has the right amount of money. Now, what's wrong with that scenario? Do I really need multiple zeros, five, six, seven, eight, nine zeros behind the decimal, in front of the decimal point uh, in, in order to have what's really important in life? So I'm curious from your perspective, um, you have to have capital in the bank, if it, as it were, in order to obviously pay your employees, to purchase the products and so forth, to pay the, the release or the rent on the buildings that you, or buy the buildings that you own and so on and so on and so on. It's necessary. I get that. Um, have you gotten to that place in your life where you now don't have to really concern yourself with, uh, um, let's keep it personal, your own personal well-being, uh, let's say you and your significant other uh, want to go out to dinner and you don't even have to think about where you're going to go or how much it's going to cost. Cause you know, I got plenty, you know, it's, it, I'm doing fine. Here's two things. Um, I grew up in a very, we're in a middle-class family, but when my parents divorced, I saw this financial struggles. So because I was young, like in a teen age years, because mm -hmm. of that, mm -hmm. I knew then I will always work hard, make my own money, be able to support myself. And that was a must in my life for me because I saw my parents got married young. My mother never went to college. My dad did, you know, she was the stay, typical stay at home mom. So I never wanted to be in that situation. I always, whatever happened in my life, I knew I wanted to financially be able to take care of myself. So there's that. And now I have two daughters um, that I raised to be like strong, individual, do have a passion for something, do it. So what my goal really is not a, more about me. It's more for my kids um, and my grandchildren. Would I love to be able to have money set aside to help each grandchild maybe go to college or a little portion of it? That's what I'll do. Um, as far as, you know, I'm a minimalist. You know, if you go in my house, I don't have a lot of crazy stuff of stuff. I'm not a stuff kind of person. Mm -hmm. um, but I would like to leave a legacy for my daughters. 
Um, but it's not all about like the money. Like my youngest one has ADHD and I started a clothing line to start a foundation for kids who want to go to school, but don't can't get typical funding. So, um, but I am very fortunate enough to be able to be able to go to dinner and do what I want. But again, I always look, is that money wisely spent? Mm-hmm. So I kind of have that. Um, I will always need to have my own just because of my y- young upbringing. Right. Um, and it served me well as I grew up because I didn't, I never had asked somebody for money. I never had asked them, can I go try taking this class or I want to take this class and it's $10,000. So for me, it was a win-win. Mm-hmm. Um do I strive just to make money, 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 money? No, because that's not my happiness. Yeah. When I look back on my career, uh, as short thus far as it has been, uh, you know, uh, you know, yeah, 44 years, I suppose. <laughs> it's a relative, I suppose. Uh, but it's better than half my existence on this planet. I have to tell you that the greatest times I can ever remember which are many, thankfully, are the relationships that I developed over the decades with not only the people that I worked with at the different stations that I worked for, but also the people that I did projects for on the side. Uh, inclu- and, you know, even my own family, my mother, father and sisters and brother. And uh, then all of the other people that I would meet along the way in in the different fields that they were in, whether it was entertainment or or technical uh, IT, that kind of thing. <clears throat> and I have found that treating people, not just the way I'd like to be treated, but treating them with respect and recognizing that, and I've learned I learned this very early on, excuse me, uh, very early on, uh, even before I got into broadcasting, that there's always going to be someone who is better than me, and there's always going to be someone who is not as good as me. And I do not want to compare myself with them. I want to compare myself with me yesterday. Uh, and and this goes back to those two words that I said I'm trying to remove from my vocabulary. One of my philosophies, and I would love for you to, div- to dive into this because I think this is very important because we, we sort of already talked about this a little bit, but I want to go into this further. The success. My philosophy on success when I'm working with people, my goal is not to be successful. My goal is is to make you successful. And in turn, then I'm successful. How has that, has that philosophy been a part, maybe in different words, in your uh, working career, if you will? And how so? How has that made a difference? Is that something that you've had to learn or did you kind of have that from an early phase in in your career? I I learned that probably in my twenties and I didn't probably understand it at first, but as I developed as an individual, it was something that when I started, you know, starting my own business and I had, I was hiring people, 
And yes, everyone's like, well, yeah, I want to make money. I want to be able to pay the bills, pay you people and stuff like that. But I really turned it around and started asking my my staff, okay, at we have a planning meeting. What is it that, what are your goals for this year or long-term? Like some of them set, some of them are young. I want to buy, be able to buy my first house. I want to buy a new house. My car's falling apart. I want to be able to buy a car. And so they would write their goals down. And now, so then I say, okay, how much money do you want to bring home next year? What is your goal? And they write that down. And is that goal going to help you get the, your short-term, you know, things that you need or your long-term? And they'll figure that out and they'll come back. This is what I want to make next year. So then we sit down um, together as a group and then individually, and we are able to kind of back into what they need to make quarterly, monthly, weekly, and right down to daily. So they'll hit their goals. And I run my business like that for my people because in our industry, it's hard to make a good living a lot of times in it. I mean, it's just, it's mm. very competitive. It's there are people who just show up but aren't really putting in the effort or work. Um, my people, these are their main careers. They want to be successful and they want to live their lifestyle. So we do do that. And that makes a huge difference because when they're not hitting their goals, we'll sit down like, what what's not working what can we do differently so my job is to make sure i'm giving them the tools to live a lifestyle they want to do the other mm-hmm. thing is a lot of you know people who go into the beauty industry they don't they don't take an accounting class they don't know their basic accounting and a pnl and a balance sheet i have I give a class and i've had people ask can their kids come can so on it's like a 20 page packet where they write down all their expenses they pay when they're due, what other stuff is, what what other you know liabilities they have, what is their income, and so they can start figuring out what their own bottom line is and how to make changes. Do they have to cut their expenses? Do they have to make more money? So financially, I mean, that's what my background is, is and that's something I can give to people and help them with, so they can understand their lifestyle and expenses and stuff like that. So yeah, that. I love doing, and that's what consulting was really all about for me. Karen Padetti is my guest here on the Tell Me Your Story. We're talking about her latest work, which is Rags to Riches. Uh, And uh, the subtitle, of course, is How Beauty Icons Made It Big. I want to come back and talk about the cover of your book in just a moment as we continue here. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for for being with us, folks. This is, uh, uh, for me, this is fascinating. I don't know about you, but I'm learning a lot here because um, uh, fortunately, I guess I'm lucky in this respect that I have uh, I have been able to sort of adopt many of the things that you're already talking about. I think, too, about, uh, and I've used this example before, of um, Edison. Uh, the man did not believe in failure, let alone success. He just believed in inventing something that worked. And to that end, he um, basically had uh, 990 ways in which uh, the light bulb didn't work. They weren't 990 failures. They were 990 ways it did not work. And look, I mean, if, if he had given up at 562, then Karen and I would be doing this program in the dark. 
um, uh, and so forth. And of course, now we have the new innovations of LED lights. You know, who knew? I mean, I, maybe Edison did. I don't know. But it's it's fascinating to me uh, to to dive into some of these things because a lot of folks want to they want to go their own way. In two thousand eight and nine, during that big, uh, I don't even know what to call it. Anyway, it was a big economic downturn. How about that? Hundreds of thousands of people lost their jobs back then. And you know what the first thought in my mind was? I wonder how many of those people hated their jobs. Um, there is a thing called karma, you know, and um, also my father taught me very early on. My late father taught me very early on. He says, find a job you love doing because you're going to be doing it for a long time. Don't get stuck like me. Now, my father didn't stay stuck. He went to junior college, got his computer programming degree and 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 so forth. But um, I think that's one of the things that that I'd love for you to, to touch upon in, in, in this context. And I have a feeling we there you are. OK, I, I'd love for you to talk about in this context of 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 uh, of all of this. And then we'll get to the cover of your book. Share with us your thoughts. Um, well, during that time, that was, it was a rough time for many, many, many people. And, um, I do remember having friends and a lot of my clients were really struggling. And, um, and I just remember talking to a, a ton of people about it. And, and that was a theme that people were losing their jobs and most of them, a year or two later, so it was the best thing that ever happened because they were just going through the motions of living. They were just doing the same thing they did, and they really had to stop and reevaluate their life. So I, I definitely saw that. It's kind of like when I went back to school because my my you know I was an accountant and a CPA stuff. I went back to school and got all my beauty, you know, licenses and stuff like that. So I knew mm -hmm. what was going on. When I went back, I was in a class at the time of all older people. There was a class of like 10 of us and we we're all like second job careers. Mm -hmm. And I there were people from um, a VP of a bank. There was a um, somebody from a big corporation VP. It was just like. And they said, yeah, it was great money. And I hated it. I was miserable. Mm -hmm. And so it was really interesting to see. So I get asked that a lot. Like, how do you go from, you know, way over here making, and I had a great job making great money and I didn't care. I just hated it mm -hmm. to going over here. And I said, you know, I just had to follow a passion and I truly true knew in a young age, I probably needed to work for myself. I was better not being told what to do. Um, so to anybody pick a career you love and even in our industry you see a lot of people they'll go into the beauty industry because they don't think about college and then all of a sudden they graduate and they're like what should we do what should they do and a lot of people are like well go to beauty school go to beauty school and they go to beauty school and they come out you know and it's not cheap and they come out and they're like okay i don't want to do hair i don't care about anyone's feet and i don't care about anyone's face again not the right pick mm -hmm. so you know, it is first and foremost, if you don't love what you're doing, you're not I, to me in my heart of hearts. I don't really think you're ever going to be successful at it. I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I couldn't agree with you more. One of the things that uh, I, I wanted to bring up also was shortly after that downturn, uh, 
the entrepreneurial explosion. It's basically what you were just talking about and people getting into doing things that they genuinely wanted to do. At least they now had the opportunity to search. Well, we've had that sort of happen here in the late 20 teens into the 2020s where people, you know, we and we've had a fluctuation of our unemployment rate, which I have to tell you, I'm not even sure I understand how they do the calculations because there are a lot of folks who don't even, they're not even counted because they're not doing the things that would get them into that list of statistics. You know, they say, forget it. I'm just going to, I'm going to go over here. And I think it's when you apply for unemployment. Uh, by the way, speaking of which, uh, I don't know about you, but my experience of unemployment, I was laid off of four jobs in one year. Uh, the first two jobs I went in and I applied for unemployment within the first or early second week and here in Arizona or in Arizona where I was living, you don't get anything for the first two weeks. Uh, I had another job, one of the four, uh, shortly after losing the first one, but filing for unemployment. So I got nothing. Uh, the second job, same thing happened. So when I lost the second job and I, I, I was headed for the third job, not knowing what it was yet, I thought, what is the point of filing unemployment? Obviously, I'm going to find another job within the next two weeks, so I'm not even going to waste my time. Um, but that entrepreneurial boom, I had a business. And you you mentioned this early on. Uh, I should have consulted with you back then. I had a business. It was uh, It's called Fast Forward Audio, and now it's called Audio and Video Communications. Long title. Did, I actually did get the website. But anyway, um, and I had it for one year and I went to file my taxes as a sole proprietor and I owed the federal government $3,000 plus. I shut the business down. I said, I am never doing that again until I have the infrastructure to make sure like a CPA that all of this stuff is taken care of. So I don't have to pay down the road. It was a mess. I think it took me a couple of years to get them paid off. And I did, but there's that aspect of it too. You, you kind of made the comment about someone coming out of uh, uh, cosmetology or beauty school, beauty school in a general sense. I don't want to do feet. Or I don't want to do faces. I don't want to do hands, hair. Now that'd be kind of fun. Um, but that's what I want to do. I, no, what do you mean I have to write a business? I don't know what the heck a business, but accounting, I, well, I take in what I take in and then I pay the bills with it. Well, it's not that simple, apparently. How, if I've got this idea, uh, Karen, and I want to go, let's just say, euphemistically from rags to riches, uh, where do I start? Because I don't, granted, We've already acknowledged how important failure is. <laughs> I'd like to minimize it as much as possible. But tell us, where, where do we go from there? Well, first, there's several things you should do. If you're phenomenal at doing what you do, and that's your niche, and that's your thing, that's what you should be doing. That's what you should be spending your time. I tell my clients, whatever makes you the most money and the happiest, you do that. Find other people to do, do the stuff that you're not good at. For, for instance, social media and me, I still don't get it. I have to do it, but I have to pay people. And then they try to tell me stuff and I just shake my head. Is it working? Yes. Okay. That's all I need to know. So, I mean, 
I could spend a lifetime still trying to figure out that I'll never be good at it. I'll never understand it. So I hire somebody. It's like any, if you don't have the business background, you can hire a coach. I mean, there's coaches at all different levels. You definitely need a bookkeeper to get you started. And I don't care what kind of business it is. If you don't know accounting, don't do, don't pretend you're the bookkeeper because you're not. And you need a CPA at the end of the year or so you can meet with them quarterly to have ideas. So definitely figure out what you're the best at, what Mm -hmm. other little, what else you need to be successful. And you will save so much time, so much money. Because what happens is when you don't know, it's trial and error, trial and error. So now you're wasting all your time. Now, if it fails, you're probably wasting some money. So you're just spinning your wheels. I tell anybody who's going to start a business, the best thing to do is get all the people you need to to help you run your business and yeah, pay for their experts, um, but you know, their expertise, they will pay for themselves in the business, Mm -hmm. meaning that they'll save you the time, the the money, and then you can say, okay, this is working. Perfect. This isn't working with the social media person because you're not driving any business. So we need to change this. It's the number one thing to take people from any level to the next level is know know that difference, what you're good at and what you need help with. Mm. And even like my background was accounting and finance. I went to the, I went and took a class with the, um, the better business bureau in my area, just so I can learn maybe different C, I knew a lot of CPAs, but marketing people and different things. There's a lot of courses you can do mm-hmm. um, to help you. That is the most important piece of really becoming successful. Great quote here. <clears throat> now there are a couple here that I'm going to, I'm going to utter. Now I know a, a variation on this particular one that adds a little more oomph to it, but I won't do it here. Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. But this other one is, I think goes to your point. Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events and small, minds discuss people um the one thing that i have found very interesting in in the hiring process which i haven't done in a long time uh and in a way fortunately i'm glad i haven't but it's still it's kind of enjoyable because i like passing on what i know Uh, it's not just i want everybody else to know what i do so that i can step away from this and they'll do this no i i want to teach people how to do what i do i was i was actually listening to the radio station i work for one day and I'm listening to this this commercial and I'm going, I don't remember producing that. That sounds really, who did that? Well, there was only one other person here. And when I talked to him about it, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I did that. I said, oh, my God, that's amazing. I thought I did that, but I know I didn't. I wasn't trying to take credit or anything. And, I, and he says, well, it's what you taught me. Oh, okay. And that's really where I'm coming from in, in, in all of this is I want to teach people uh, everything that I know, I want. Uh, if, if if it were to work this way, I would drain my brain and give it to somebody else, so that they. It's that's my legacy, if you will. 
that's that's my legacy. And I'm hoping the people I have trained over the years have held on to some of the things. I, I still remember coming to Santa Barbara and thinking, oh my gosh, right close to LA, the, the media cap center of the of the of the country and so on and so forth, and thinking, oh, they're gonna be working with the reg all the broadcast standards. 30 second commercials are 30 seconds, 60 second commercials are 60 seconds, et cetera, et cetera. You have to watch your volume, you make sure you're not overmodulating, et cetera, et cetera. I come here. Nobody not only doesn't know the standards, they don't care. Again, I got into this business to make a difference. So I've trained people and someone was looking at a list of my files of 30 second commercials that were all stacked up and they could see how large the file size was and they were all identical. And they said, how's that possible? I said, because I have a template that doesn't allow me to go over 30.00.00. Because they're supposed to be 30. I mean, how is that? How hard is that to figure out? And I guess the greatest example of, of uh, uh, clarity on that when I was working for the local TV station. And they said, you've got to make them 30s. If you make them less than 30, let's say you make them 28. The customer is getting ripped off by two seconds. And you total all of the commercials they're running how much time are they not getting? And if you make it 32 seconds, they're paying less for more that we're giving them. And you total up the total seconds, how many more commercials, how much more commercial time are they getting? Now, it seems like a, a, a small thing, but that's, that's to me, make it the way it's supposed to be. Now, in your industry, I would love for you to talk about this. There, You have standards. By the same token, your industry is also creative. <laughs> That's a great word. Yes, we are very creative. You would be shocked at how creative some people can be. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's. It's, it's I mean, there and there are rules in every jurisdiction. There are different laws and rules. There are some areas where I can't get my head shaved. Okay. I, and there are other areas they I haven't had it done yet. I guess I'm a little concerned about that old straight razor when they go across there. Anyway, but you know, you've got certain parameters that you have to operate by, but by the same token, you do have that certain level of creativity. We do. And um I, I'll be honest. Honestly, the smaller you are, I think the more creative you can be, because if anybody's going to come into like our state, for instance, I'm a big place and I know that. So like if they're going to come in and audit you as far as making sure you're following your rules and doing the walkthrough, they call them the inspectors when they come in. The bigger you are, the bigger the chance you're going to have an inspector come in because he wants to hit a few big places and call it a day rather than going to a few mom and pop places, you know. So inevitably, you know, and I, I'm consulted a lot of different places and a lot of different states do different things. So first of all, always know what your state is doing because mm -hmm. what your state doing and the next state is doing is crazy. I actually had two clients. They were side by side and they're right down one of the, um, in different states and their, and their laws were completely different. It was oh, a wow. little it was really weird, but at first I couldn't, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. So know what, know exactly what you kind of can't do. The larger you are, stick to the standards. You know, they put the stand, most of the standards are in place to protect the employees and the clients coming in. 
So definitely do that. Um, you know, there are some places that are known for buying products in China, which you're not supposed to do. And they have, you know, dental bonding in them. That's not even great for someone's nails. It's a heck of a lot cheaper, but it's not good for people's nails. So there are shortcuts. Um, I wouldn't do it. Honestly, I mean, I always think if I'm paying for a service, I want high-end products. I want to know that what I'm getting is what I'm getting. And I've seen all sorts of things in my mm -hmm. experience. I've seen where you have, you know, the $60 shampoo and yet in it is the thing from the, the grocery store mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, you know, I think what we used to call them kitchen cutters, people who generally have like a, you know, come to my house, I'll color your hair and do your cut and color and it will charge you like 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. You know, they're using a ton more bleach because it's a fast process. They're not using the products. So they're really destroying the integrity of your hair. Um, you, I'm sure you've heard of the, the, uh, the, stu the studies and, and uh, ec um, uh, um, experiments with wine uh, the the low end two buck chuck versus the high end uh, um, fino du pop or whatever it is anyway, and they will do a blind taste test, and nine times out of ten people will actually like the less expensive stuff. That is not a rule, or that is not a, an experiment that would wash no pun intended uh, in the beauty industry, would it? Because of what you've basically just described. No. No, and, and, and you know, today our, our clients, they're, they're smart. They, they can go on, go, they can Google anything, get anything anywhere. I mean, so you're smart. So when they come to you, your job is, is whatever service they're having, obviously, but it's more to educate them, mm -hmm. educate them on your hair is dry and brittle, that you're not having enough vitamins, you, you know, whatever it is um, that you do, you want to educate people and, and build that bond with them. Mm. We're talking with Karen Padetti and uh, Rags to Riches is the title of her book, her website, of course. I'm going to uh, pop over here and I'm going to spell all of that for you so that you go to the right place. Uh, and the website is uh, luxspa.com, L-U-X-E-S-P-A.com. And this is Tell Me Your Story. Some of you are probably sitting there right now listening to Tell Me Your Story with yours truly, Richard Dugan, and our special guest, who is Karen Padetti, uh, author of Rags to Riches. Richard, you asked her a little while ago about the cover of her book. Well, what's the big deal about the cover of her book? Well, she's on the cover, but she's not, <laughs> but, but she's not alone. And by the way, uh, your hair seems to be a little longer now than in the book, but that's fine. Yeah. Because hair grows. But you have a bunch of images of a whole bunch of other people. Uh, I was, uh, there is, there are one, two, th at least three males, four. I just found a fourth one. Maybe there's a fifth one. And then one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven uh, females. Are Are these your clients? Those are all the authors or the people I interviewed in my book. So like Damone Roberts, he's a guru of eyebrows to Oprah, Brianna, Beyonce, everybody who's huge. Um, Amy Carter is a profit coach and helps to take businesses, you know, all businesses to another level. 
There's um, Gino Stampora, who was in with all the huge beauty icons. He started the schools. I mean, everybody is huge. There's um, Barbara, who was a model, and then she turned into a groomer, and she's Tom Hanks' groomer. Um, Anka used to be flown out to the Jonas Brothers every 10 days to cut her hair, cut all their hair. Mm -hmm. I mean, so these are the people who I interviewed, and these are all people who, you know, started just like most of us in our beauty industry, and just they strategically and procedures put in place got to the where they where they are today so yes they're big huge people and now the 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 other obvious question that i need to ask is you're telling me you can specialize in eyebrows oh yes damone <laughs> he is he has two places one in new york one in california i mean he the he has a list of stars that is unbelievable. Um, he actually even went to Madonna's house to do hers there as well. Uh, yeah, yes. And he has assistants and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, and you, 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 you little name dropper, you. I know, really. Uh, but I tell these you. These were some of the people. And, I, and I'm honestly, I was so honored and thrilled that they agreed to it. I love, love meeting each and every one of them. I love their humble beginnings, their stories, you know, when things didn't go well. I mean, they they were phenomenal. Oh, you brought up something very important, too, and that is self, uh, self-confidence without going over to the narcissist side. Have you have you I you have to have run into a few of these people who are just I am blessed by God to oh, be the yeah. greatest. <laughs> I actually interviewed somebody for the book and he, I mean, he's a big deal too, a big sure. deal, but the least humble person I ever met. And he was kind of just mean and, and, you know, he wanted to make it apparent that I was a nobody and I was fine like that. I mean, I'm just doing my thing, loving my own life. And I was just like, okay, I can't even deal with him. I don't like him. I don't like anything. He's not in the book. So yeah, I did. I and it, and it was just him, but the rest of them, amazing people. Yeah. I want to dive into the customer a little bit. Now, I'm a guy. I don't wear cologne. I don't wear any kind of um because I know some guys that do makeup. I I just not the thing. Uh, yes, I've got the beard and I do it myself right now just out of uh, expense sake. Uh, I love going to the barber. Don't get me wrong. I love that experience. And I actually decided to do it because my wife was every two or three weeks, she was going to the nail salon to get a mani or a mani-pedi. And, and I thought, okay, I, obviously she doesn't feel like she can do that herself, which I understand. I know my sisters. I had four sisters and they all could do their own nails and so forth. But anyway... I thought, well, shoot, if she can go there and do that, why why can't I go to the barber? I mean, yes, I got a razor and I've got the the whole the whole shebang and a kit over here. And I do it and I was doing it for a long time. But I gotta tell you, it's not the it's not the shave and haircut two bits. It's it's uh it's even commiserating with the barber. You know uh, what? You you hit the nail on the head. It is the experience. Mm -hmm. And I tell 
every one of the people I who you know I come in contact, they're coming to you. They're paying for your time. They're paying for your expertise. You give them the most wowing experience and build a relationship with them, and they'll be back. Okay, you know? but but there's a catch, and and this would undermine your industry completely, if. If women in this country specifically, but I know it's all over the globe, who use beauty products, stopped buying into the multimedia's telling them you aren't beautiful unless you do this, you wear this, you have this, and so on, and so on, and so on, when... If my sisters, as a kid growing up, watching them grow up, if they were wearing makeup, I never knew it. If my wife isn't wearing makeup, if she is wearing it, forgive me, I don't know that I'd know it because she wears it so either sparingly or so light. But it's like, what what is wrong with the beauty that you have? And I guess maybe this goes to the issue of self-esteem, partly, partly. I would say two things. I would say because social media has blown out of proportion, you have these now influencers Mm -hmm. who will, you know, they're paid basically to say this product's phenomenal. Look at my new eyeshadow. Look at my new mascara. I mean, they're paid to do that and they have millions of followers. So every, all, a lot of young people are very quick to say, Oh, did you see so-and-so they have the new mascara or, you know, this person's eyeshadow came out. So I think that's huge. And I think everyone wants to be on that bandwagon a little mm-hmm, bit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you ask a girl in their 20s, who's the, you know, who has the best eyeshadow, who has the best this, who has the best that, they all can say the same thing. It's it's phenomenal. I do think they grow out of that a little bit and find their things. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, the industry, beauty industry, yeah, they spend billions Millions, yeah, and millions of dollars, and you have young people that will flock to it. Yeah, and again, I'm not, uh, I'm not speaking uh, positively or negatively. It's an observation that it's like, do you really, really, do you need that? I mean, I get a little frustrated sometimes when we go to one of these uh, uh, beauty shops. Uh, where you can walk in. We have one here in Santa Barbara. It's called Skin Deep. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't get any advertising revenue from that, but be that as it may, you walk in there and there are a few things. There's this small, narrow bookcase for men's products. Uh, (laughs) And the rest is primarily for women. Uh, And you can walk out of there spending hundreds of dollars for what? What have you just bought? Now, there's a difference between that and some of the the artistic, shall we say, uh, expressions that people are into, whether it's piercings, tattoos, uh, and and so on and so forth, or even the hairstyles. I mean, I, I've seen, uh, I saw this one woman who the side of her head was shaved and she had long hair that was parted sort of down the middle and flipped over to the other side. I thought, well, okay, that's pretty cool. And then the coloring of hair. I saw this one gal. I I compliment her every time I see her. I said, I really like that. It's cool colors. Rainbow colored hair. It's either streaks from the the root down to the end of the hair or it's streaks going around. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. Different things. Or my, I mean, my wife, uh, she's got, uh, she likes to use hair colors, you know, and so forth. But it's, it's, uh, it's like I said, this kind of goes back to also cosmetic surgery. I used to say, oh my God, why are you people doing this? Da, da, da. And it kind of goes down to, if you don't feel comfortable the way you look right now, and it doesn't matter whether people were criticizing you as a kid growing up and you're dealing with the trauma. Yeah, you could go to therapy. But if you feel you need to have a nose adjustment or ears or forehead or, you know, breast reduction or enlargement or whatever the case might be that is going to help your self-esteem, that is another aspect of the beauty industry, isn't it? Yeah, that's a huge, I mean, it is a gigantic part. I um, think women will continue to do, first of all, women also compete with other women. So mm -hmm. it's not, yeah. you know, so if, if, if you see a young woman and she's got this, the next young woman's like, oh, did you see that? I can do that. I can look that good. And mm -hmm. they do stuff like that. So yeah, the cosmetic surgeries are huge. Your number one is yeah. um, breast enlargement. And it's been like that for over five years and it will continue to grow. I do think women sometimes lose their mind a little bit. You know, I'm all about, you know, looking nice, feeling good and all, all that. I'm all about it. But I, we have some clients of, of mine who come here and you look at them and you take a double take and they don't even look normal. Um, so they do mm. take it too far. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's a big part. I'm, and yeah. those are the trends and they're going to be around for a long, long time. Yeah. And again, uh, I'm not opposed to the trends uh, or even if they hang on for a long time. I mean, I'm wearing uh, I'm wearing this hat that I've been wearing for Oh, more than 17 years. Uh, when I was in Phoenix, I was wearing this style of hat and I just like it. I uh, believe it or not started growing the beard because I injured my right arm and I couldn't bend it to shave. So I had oh. to let it grow. And then when it grew in, I'm going, you know, I kind of like this, but I'm going to shape it a little bit. And then of course uh, I have always shaved. I shaved my head in 2021 when my wife was going through her chemotherapy treatments. Oh. Um, she, she was going to shave her head too, but found out that the chemo she was going to getting wasn't going to cause her to lose all her hair, just thin it. And so she said, no, I'm not going to do that. And I'm going, well, I'm going to do it. I'm primed and pumped and ready to go. Uh, the vest I wear because it's my father's, uh, my late father who just passed away a couple of months ago. And, um, I mean, and I mean, this is, this is me. This is my style. I'm not mimicking anybody. Uh, I'm not copying anybody. I like I like the way it looks and I get what's really funny too, is I'll get compliments on the vest or I'll get compliments on the hat. Right. I noticed and the hat as soon as I saw you wearing it. And I was like, and, and I was doing some research and I was like, I like that hat. looks yeah. good on you. And then I, and then I thought, well, wait a minute, you're complimenting my hat, but what about me? It's kind of like when you walk up to someone, you love animals, you love dogs, you walk up. Oh, it's so cute. What's his name. And it's like, I now try to make the effort. Hi, I'm so-and-so. What's what's your name and what's your dog's name? In other words, talk to the owner first, you know, kind of thing. It's, it, yeah. it, that's kind of how I was thinking about, you know, they like the hat, they like the vest. Do they like who's wearing the hat and vest? <laughs> oh, it's 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 really something. Karen uh, Padetti is my guest and um, uh, Karen Padetti and uh, Rags to Riches is the title of the book and LuxSpa.com is the website. And this is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and 
I want to thank you folks for uh, for uh, staying with us here on the program as we talk with uh, Karen Padetti and uh, the work that she is doing. I'm going to put it this way, Karen, because um, uh, it's it. I think it's really true that yes, you've acknowledged there are some women and men who go overboard considerably, and we understand that uh, for whatever their reasons. But by the same token, there are also those who are just doing this because it just makes them feel better about themselves. Do you find some women do it in particular, since you deal primarily with women who are doing it for someone else and that somehow that seems like that's the wrong reason to do this? You should you need to be doing it for you, not for somebody else. Yeah, I have to tell you. My clients that come to Lux, they really are more about themselves. You'll get, let's put it this way, a, a very um, well-kept woman, you know, who is all about doing this for the looks and because she's a high-profile husband and they kind of expect it. You, you'll get a few of those, but generally uh, the women really come to take care of themselves. They want to look good. They want to feel good. They want to know they're doing the right things for them. Mm. So, yeah, I think you'll get, I think that's a lot of it, but you're going to get those other women too as well. Yeah. Well, this has been a, a very interesting hour or so, and I, I can't thank you enough for giving us time to, to talk about all these different aspects. And I know there's more to talk about, but the reality is uh, that people who want to go from, we'll just use it metaphorically speaking, rags to riches, you are going to have <clears throat> um, uh, those two words. You're going to have successes and failures. And as you have said, Karen, failures are probably the most important element that is going to help you to learn. And that's really what we're doing is we're learning about how to do all this stuff and get the people around you. That's what I love is, is the people that I've had around me. Uh, and again, uh, yeah, I'm good at what I do, but I wouldn't be where I am today talking with you right now if it hadn't been for uh, literally, I think, the thousands of people who have been a part of my life and starting with my parents, of course. And I thank you for being uh, added to that list as well. Cause I've learned a lot from this program and thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, there's a little bit more because I have three more questions that I want to ask you that I ask all of my guests as we continue here on tell me your story. I'm Richard Dugan, and we're talking with Karen uh, Padetti. And uh, those three questions that I'm going to ask you, I will ask you after I tell you, thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And we are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and we're on uh, 9 a.m. Wednesdays with our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We podcast at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations, too numerous to mention. We are also on YouTube, so you can even watch these interviews. I hope you'll select Notify notification, if you will. Uh, so at least the next time I post uh, another interview, 
boom, you're going to be notified. Ah, there's a new conversation. Let's see what Richard's talking about and who he's talking with today. And uh, so I hope you'll do that. I hope also that you will uh, help us out financially, support the work that we are doing to change the world. That's right. I said it, change the world. We're going to do it one interview at a time, uh, putting all of these ideas on that giant smorgasbord table. We have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. And um, when you go there, they're going to ask you for an email address to whom to send the uh, support. It's Richard at RichardDugan.com. That's Richard at RichardDugan.com. And uh, also spend time going within and listening to that still small voice and just sitting quietly and just taking it in. And like I said before, even if it's just for 60 seconds, you know, because then that'll lead to maybe a minute and a half, then two minutes, four minutes, eight minutes and so forth until the next thing you know, you're you're into a, a meditative practice every day that's going to help you to basically recenter yourself. And that's real important in these days, especially the way businesses go, as uh, Karen has shared with us, restaurants, number one, and beauty uh, industry, number two, in terms of the number of uh, uh, establishments that uh, are are dis- developed and then uh, fail. So we certainly hope that you will, um, uh, you will uh, avail yourselves of the information she has provided as well. With all of that being said, we now jump into our three final questions for uh, for our guest. The first of those is, who is Karen Pedetti? Um, first and foremost, I'm a mother. I'm, I'm married with two daughters. Um, I own Lux Salon Spa and Laser Center. I wrote a book, Rags to Riches, How Beauty Icons Made It Big. And I made a course, and I hope to really change the beauty industry with everybody being able to be much more profitable and live the lives they want. What is your life's purpose? Um, My life's purpose is probably to bring my knowledge to as many people as as possible, to help as many people as possible in in the beauty industry, for my daughters, for my next thing's podcast with ADHD. So those would be some of my, my things. Finally, what was your best day? I think my best day was the, when my oldest daughter was born. As I went through five years of infertility, I went on... I had one on bed rest at 13 weeks, went into labor at 22, stopped it, stayed in the hospital. And then on 36 weeks, a healthy baby was born. So that was years in the making and a lot of ups and downs. So I think that would be that day. Once again, uh, Karen Padetti, I thank you again for joining us here on the program. Uh, website again is LuxSpa, L-U-X-E-S-B-A dot com. will be linked to your website. And uh, again, we thank you so much for giving us all this time, uh, an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I appreciate it. I had a wonderful time. I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol. Jeanette, I am listening. And dad, be happy.